I'm reading from Hebrews chapter 9, from verse 11 to 28. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made. That is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most high place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremoniously clean, unclean, sorry, sanctify them to that they are outwardly clean. How much more then Will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousnesses from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it. Because a will is in force only when somebody has died, it never takes effect while the one who made it is living. That is why even the first covenant that was not put into place or effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every commandment of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet, wool, and branches of hyssop and sprinkled the scroll and all the people. He said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Amen. 
Good morning. It's fantastic to be able to share the Word of God with you today. I just want to say that, um, you know, as we're in this time where we're getting back towards meeting in person again, just want to say a big thank you to our fantastic team of staff and volunteers who really go above and beyond to make things happen. And just to ask you to be praying for us as we try to make decisions in the next week or so about how we get back together to uh, meeting uh, in some form of gathered church again. I'm going to pray now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would uh, open up our hearts this morning to hear from your spirit. Lord, we want to say that we love you and we want you to speak into our hearts today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We're continuing to uh, look at the book of Hebrews and um, today we're going to really focus down on the fact that Jesus' blood was shed so that we might be forgiven. Such an important understanding that the book of Hebrews brings to us. The fact of Jesus' role as high priest, as the mediator of a new covenant between man and God. But also, Jesus wasn't just a priest who offered a sacrifice. Jesus, as our great high priest, was himself also the sacrifice. And I want us to see and understand and try to get to grips with that. We're uh, going to look a bit more at a world that is alien and unfamiliar to us, a world of uh, the ideas of covenants and tabernacles and things like this. And I just really want to encourage you, please do go back over the talks from the last weeks. It will help you to understand this. And also to start with a confession. Uh, Nothing juicy, sorry. But um, the confession is simply that in the 25 minutes or so we have today, we're only going to really skim the surface of this. So I do want to encourage you to go back and to look through this yourself. In some ways, our talk today is summed up by verse 12, where it says, He did not enter by means of blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all, by his blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Jesus entered the most holy place through his own blood and brought, redeemed us through his amazing sacrifice. You know, as we've been studying this book of Hebrews, we've been aware of the fact that the book was written to a second generation of Hebrew Christians who were starting to face opposition difficulty was arising. Maybe they were tired of, of what felt like just carrying on with their lives and maybe they were tired and, and tempted to look back to something that was more familiar, more easily identifiable, the idea of, a, uh, of ritual and sacrifice that could be attended and seen. We do know that the difficulty that they faced meant that their lives would be in danger. Many of them would face persecution. And the writer to Hebrews doesn't merely tell them to work harder. He doesn't say try more. No, his response to this idea of them being tempted to give up is to say to them, take a closer look at Jesus. Get a better glimpse of him. He wants them to understand all that Jesus has done and how Jesus is far better 
than what they're tempted to go back to. And so throughout Hebrews, he systematically takes those things, good as they were, that they esteemed. And he says, Jesus is better then. And I want to say to you today, if you were tempted to give up, if you were looking back at the remnants of your old life or tempted to give up on following Jesus, I want to say to you, Jesus is better than all of those things. Take a fresh look at him today. There is grace for you. There is encouragement. There is hope in the completed work of Jesus. As we look at these central chapters, we're really in, um, we really see this idea of, of the uh, Old Testament uh, worship and their structures. We look at the idea of covenant and blood sacrifice. You know, last week we looked at the idea of the tabernacle, the tent where the presence of God dwelt. And, uh, and the writer to Hebrews showed that Jesus is better. He entered a more perfect heavenly tabernacle. Towards the end of the uh, passage last week, I spoke of the fact that Jesus' work was better. It didn't just bring an outward uh, forgiveness. It didn't just bring an outward cleansing, but it cleansed from the inside out. And the outward ritual of forgiveness was merely one that was temporary, which pointed the way to who Jesus is and the better sacrifice that he would make. So let's read from verses 11 and 12. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of creation, And not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. This carries on this theme of Jesus being superior. Jesus is better then. And we see that Jesus is better than the heavenly, Jesus um, is better than the earthly structure that they worshipped in. And it speaks of the heavenly tabernacle. You know, they were familiar with the priest going once a year into the Holy of Holies. And the writer to Hebrews makes the point that Jesus has presented himself before God. Not to an earthly structure, but to a heavenly one. Not to one made by hand but one made by God and in his presence. Jesus entered into heaven on behalf of you and I. And we'll see that more towards the end of this passage, but it's so important to understand that Jesus entered into heaven with his perfect sacrifice. And Jesus entered with a better sacrifice. And that sacrifice was himself. Jesus didn't present the blood of calves and goats. And if you take the time to look through and to look back, you'll see that in their system of sacrifice, the priests would take the blood of animals and present it as an offering for sin. But Jesus paid the ultimate price for sin for your sin and mine with his own blood. 
Whereas the priests repeated their sacrifice time and time again. They had to make an offering for their own sin. Jesus made a sacrifice once and for all. Not just as a high priest that offered a sacrifice, but as the sacrifice himself. And that verse there, it says that having obtained eternal redemption. It's incredible when we think that Jesus brought us back. To redeem is to buy back, to pay the price. Jesus paid the price for you and for I with his own blood. I just want you to think about that, that God loved you and I so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die for us. The precious blood of Jesus was spilt for you and I. Why? Because our good deeds are never enough. Why? Because there is nothing we can do to make ourselves acceptable to God. So God came down in the person of Jesus Christ. God in human flesh. He took on flesh and died for you and I. It's a statement of fact that Jesus has brought eternal redemption. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he has made a sacrifice for you once and for all. It cannot be added to. It doesn't change when you have a bad day. No, that sacrifice is complete. Hebrews 9, 13 and 14 says, For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your consciences from dead works to serve the living God. If those outward sacrifices of animals served a purpose of cleansing, how much more can the blood of Jesus, God's perfect holy son, how much more can that cleanse us? You see, the, out, the animal blood cleansed outwardly. It depended on a system of sacrifices that could only temporarily cover them and that was for sin that was unintentionally committed. But you and I, we sin deliberately. We know that we choose to actively make decisions and so our consciences are seared, they're tainted and they're broken and verse 14 here says, how much more? How much more can the blood of Jesus not just cleanse the outward, but cleanse our consciences? Jesus is able through his death, through shedding his blood, to cleanse us from the inside out, to make us new, so that we can know and understand what it is to be forgiven, to know a clean start, I'm just so amazed when I think about the fact that me with all of my imperfections, you with all of your imperfections can be declared righteous by God, perfect in his standing. Why? Not because of our actions, but simply because of the blood of Jesus. 
You know, many people do extraordinary things to, uh, to try to make themselves acceptable to God. You know, you have people sit on these poles and spend their life on platforms try, as an act of piety, trying closer to get to God closer. A friend of mine met the rolling prophet, this guy from India, who literally rolled his way around India. And I said, where did you meet him? He said, the YMCA in central London. And apparently he'd rolled his way across and was rolling around. And they, he went to try to meet this holy man but came away with a sense that this man had nothing to offer him. Nothing we can do can make ourselves acceptable to God. Only the blood of Jesus declares us righteous. No extravagant outward act is enough. It's really, really important though, if you are a Christian, to know that you have been made righteous before God. You are clean before him on the basis of what Jesus has done. It's not something we earn, but it's something we receive by faith. And that means that we can know what it is to be forgiven and to have a cleansed conscience. We can be free from guilt and free from condemnation. Romans chapter 8 verses 1 to 4 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sin-formed flesh. As a sin offering, he condemned sin in the flesh. We have been made righteous. We have been given the righteousness of Christ. It's really important for us to understand that, that the righteous requirements of the law are fully met in us. Not because we are so special or we are perfect in our deeds. No, but because of what Jesus has done. If you know what it is to have faith in Christ, to be born again. You are a child of God and you are declared right with him simply through what Jesus has done. You know, that's dependent upon two things. Firstly, that we understand that when we came to Christ, we were all equally sinful. Different sins, but the same status. Before God, sinners in need of saving sinners headed for hell you may have had respectable sin or it might be outrageous sin but nevertheless sin marked our life but also if we know that new birth you are saved by grace and you are a child of God and that doesn't change when you mess up there is still forgiveness you are called a child of God. Why? Because Jesus' blood deals completely with our sin once and for all. The blood of Jesus deals completely with our sin once and for all. Verse 14 shows us how he, he is able to deliver us from dead works. You know, sometimes 
We try to make, even as Christians, we try to earn God's favor through our deeds. And friends, those are the kind of dead works that God has sent his son Jesus to die for us, to deliver us from. Not that it's wrong to do God good works, but if we're trusting in those things to earn the approval of God, then we've missed it. God sent Jesus to deliver us from dead works. You know, how we live is important. It's important to be obedient. Why? Because Jesus has saved us for a life of service. The blood of Jesus transforms us from the inside out, but frees us up to live a life of service. It says there in verse 14, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. You are saved for service. That, the implication of that is the connotation of a life of worship, one that is set apart for God. Romans 12 verse 1 says, I urge you therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. The outward flow of an inward transformation is a life of service and worship to God. Why? Because Jesus is the mediator of a new and better covenant. Verse 15 says, for this reason, Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called might receive the promised eternal inheritance. Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called might receive a promised eternal inheritance. You see, you have been saved so that you can receive an inheritance in Christ. And this passage makes the point that what Jesus has done is he has purchased an inheritance for us that we might walk in the purposes of God. What are those? Well, the book of Hebrews is always really clear. Those three things that we press on to, inheritance, perfection, and rest. And those things only come through Christ. They don't come simply through our good deeds. Those Old Testament sacrifices were temporary. They couldn't cleanse from the inside. And they, the writer to Hebrews wants to show them that those shadows were to point the way to Christ. And he encourages them to press on into an inheritance, into perfection and into rest. You know, as we look through verse 16 to 23, we see this idea of covenants and blood and death. And sometimes that seems a bit grisly. But covenant is the only basis that God deals with man on. He deals with man on the basis of covenant. And it says here that Jesus is the mediator. You know, a covenant we can't negotiate. Simply God declares the terms and we get to either receive it or not. 
And the key part of the covenant, and the writer says even with the old covenant, was around the shedding of blood. You know, in the covenant covenant, they would have cut, they would literally sometimes walk through the remains of an animal, through an animal that had been cut and the blood was everywhere. And it would be a visual reminder and your whole senses would be assaulted by what you see and experience. Years ago in South Africa, in Umtata, I was speaking at a conference and they just slaughtered some animals uh, for lunch. And I was there, I'm always finding my way to the guy with the cooking pot. He's always the good guy to know. And I'm there and I'm talking to him and suddenly I see this big cloud of flies over parts of the skin and the carcass. And it repulsed me and I was like, that's nasty. And then it just made me think though of that idea of covenant that you would be aware that blood has been shed. And so even as Moses inaugurated the first covenant, there was the shedding of blood. Why? Because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. That's the basis on which God deals with humanity. Verse 21 uh, and 22 say, And in the same way he sprinkled both the tabernacle and also the vessels of ministry with the blood, And according to the law, one may almost say, all things are cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. There is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. You know, it's absolutely essential for us to understand that for our sin to be forgiven required a death. Not the death of an animal that could temporarily cover. No, the death of a perfect, sinless saviour. He shed his blood willingly for you and I. Without the book of Hebrews, we'd never have the understanding that Jesus is our high priest. But not just our high priest, but also the sacrifice. As a priest stands between God and man, Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant. 1 Timothy reminds us there is one mediator, the man Christ Jesus. And so the writer to Hebrews returns and, and hammers home this consistent theme that Jesus is greater. He says, if the earthly sacrifices cleansed a sanctuary, how much more is Jesus' perfect sacrifice able to deal with heavenly things? You know, verse 24 says that Jesus entered heaven. Why? On our behalf. He made a perfect sacrifice once and for all and he entered heaven on our behalf. In one sense, it means that we find acceptance in heaven because of what Jesus has done. I don't know if you've ever been somewhere that you shouldn't have been on the basis that you knew somebody who could get you in. I remember once being at quite a high-level political meeting simply on the basis of the fact that I went with somebody and he basically said it's okay he's with me and when Jesus presents himself in heaven it's a divine acceptance that says it's okay they are with me through Jesus he presented himself in heaven once and for all whereas the earthly priest continued to offer sacrifices for sins Jesus made a sacrifice once and for all 
It can't be added to. It doesn't need repeating. You know, in one sense, that's partly why the whole, some of the aspects of the Catholic Mass strike me as being idolatrous. The idea that Jesus' blood is continually being poured out. No, Jesus' sacrifice was once and for all. He has presented himself. Whereas the high priest would go yearly on the day of atonement. Jesus brought us with his own blood. What are you trusting in? Are you trusting in your good deeds? Are you trusting in the church? Are you trusting in the forgiveness of a priest or a man? 1 Corinthians 2.2, Paul says, For I determined to know nothing among you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. Do you know what? I mess up. I mess up big time. I fail. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. She can tell you the details. But Jesus has dealt with the power of sin completely. Verse 24 speaks of once and for all. Once and for all. I can't add to it. Trying to do so with my good deeds make no sense. It's redundant. It's like giving a Ferrari to a goldfish. It's nice, but ultimately it means nothing. Animal sacrifice. Human effort is now useless. And then to close, verse 28. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time. Not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Friends, Christ's blood was enough. It doesn't need to be repeated. It can't be added to. It can only be received by faith. So what then for us? Well, I want to ask you, are you waiting for him? Is your hope ultimately in what Christ has done or what you are trying to do. Because if it's in what you're trying to do, it's redundant. It means nothing. But if our hope is in what Christ has done, then we have a new and living future. Jesus changed everything. That verse says, but when Christ came. And I want to end by asking you, what's the but when Christ came in your life? Have you responded to the good news of Jesus by saying, I give him my all. I trust that only he can make me new. Or are we trusting in our redundant good works? What's your response? Have you made Jesus your Lord and Savior? Father, I just want to pray for each one of us, wherever we are today watching this. I want to pray that each of us would know the blood of Jesus is the only thing sufficient to cleanse our sin. Lord, we can't add to it. We can't change it. We don't get to negotiate it. But Lord, I just want to pray that for each of us, we would know what it is to have faith in the completed work of Christ. Thank you, Jesus, that you intercede for us, that your work of salvation is complete. And now you stand before God the Father interceding on our behalf thank you lord lord will you do what we could not do ourselves i pray lord god help us to push into you with all that we have in jesus name amen
want to encourage you. We're going to enter into a time of worship now. If you can acknowledge in your heart that the blood of Jesus was shed for you, worship God passionately because he deserves it. God bless you.